as part of my recovery, I had to learn how to recognize feelings. I was aware of the saying, name it to tame it. I'm autistic and I have alexithmia. How do you tame what you cannot name? I had to get up close and personal with shame, which may sound strange because I'd been steeping myself in shame for decades. I just didn't know that's what it was. I set out to learn as much as I could about shame. With hindsight, I wonder if I tried to think my way through the shame material, which merely served to confuse and frustrate me. The shame associated with sexual abuse is multi-layered. I felt as if shame was embedded within every single cell in my body. I felt as if I were shame. Sexual abuse defies rational thinking. There is nothing neat or orderly about abuse. It's messy. It's confusing. Learning to accept and manage the confusion and mess of recovery was as important as learning how to live with reminders of the past, the shame memories and the shame triggers. I knew the social purpose of shame was to prevent me from being ejected from a group. It was telling me that I needed to do something. After that, though, things became complicated. Despite the fact that everything was pointing to the need for connection, I found that virtually impossible to do to truly, authentically connect with another human being. To connect, I needed to be willing to show my vulnerable self, the part of myself that had been deeply hurt, a self I had tucked away, protected by layer upon layer of thick, virtually impenetrable defences. I was well armoured. I experienced shame as an all-engulfing glue, it quite literally seized me up, both internally and externally. Very often it was the simple act of sitting down opposite someone and making eye contact. That was enough to make me want to run away and hide. Shame was triggering, feeling vulnerable was triggering, and so I would do everything possible to avoid them. I made it incredibly hard for people to help me. And how on earth do you then make progress when every attempt at a connection is triggering? The answer, slowly, very, very slowly, but with repetition and sufficient momentum that I gradually became accustomed to feeling shame within the safe, non-judgmental confines of a therapeutic alliance. I had a breakthrough after one therapy session during which I'd somehow managed to look up to make eye contact and connect. And that simple action headed off shame in the millisecond before it took hold. And that single example became my template for recognizing shame. I could link that felt sense to how I would feel so often, how I had felt in fact for so much of my life. In the aftermath of trauma, it became easier to just accept the status quo to believe my own internal narrative, the I'm worthless shame script that ran on a perpetual loop in my head. I now know that merely fueled the cycle of learned helplessness. It kept me trapped in the cycle. I kept myself trapped in that cycle. By trying to avoid the shame memories, 
I simply gave them even more of a powerful hold over me. Naming shame and repeatedly looking shame memories in the eye was exhausting and intensely painful in the short term. However, the more I looked at shame, spoke about shame, the more I noticed the memories had less of a hold on me. I also began to appreciate I was far from alone in my experiences of shame. And now, when I've been triggered by shame, I need to remove myself from the situation. If I'm at home, I'll sit quietly, acknowledge the thoughts, and then self-soothe for 10 minutes before very purposefully turning my thoughts to positive things, things that I know will make me smile. Watching clips of dogs or otters works for me.